0: Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. time. DLM's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.
1: Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we are continuing to record this podcast remotely for the safety of our guests and our team. So, on with the show. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guests this week are a couple that I thought had a chance of going the distance when she turned up to meet me for lunch over two hours late after their first date more than five years ago. They were set up on a blind date by a mutual friend, the head of makeup on Loose Women, a show which she's presided over as an anchor for 13 years now. He was a Brighton-based, separated father of two, and she was a single mother of two. And I can confirm that the date was a huge hit. They went on to fall in love and got married in 2017, blending their respective families together, and have also decided to work together, running a brilliant website called This Girl Is On Fire, aimed at empowering its female readers. But last year, she suffered a breakdown, which she's gone on to write about and explore in quite often painful detail in her third book, This Girl is on Fire, How to Live, Learn and Thrive in a Life You Love, which is out on September the 29th. And it follows on from her previous two bestsellers, Confessions of a Good Girl and Confessions of a Menopausal Woman. So I'm thrilled to have them on the show. Let's dial them up. It's Andrea McLean and her husband, Nick Feeney. Can I take you back, Andrea McLean, to that oh, no, day say, after that date say. where I was getting all these text messages and we were meeting for lunch. We hadn't seen each other for ages. And you're like, I've been on a date. I'm running slightly late. I was like, wow, this has gone well. <laughs> Two hours later, she turns oh. up all flushed. <laughs> and Nick, I don't know if I've even told Nick
2: this story. <laughs> Nick, I know everything. <laughs> he does. Oh, she does. It's all good, though. It was all good, all wasn't good. it? That's why. It, I, that's why I, you, I was two hours late.
1: <laughs> Nick's oh. face right now. Did you know
2: this,
3: well, Nick? All I'm going to say is, if she told you everything, you know it was all good.
1: It was all good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, reader, I married him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. We we met on a blind date set up by lovely Donna, and um. You know, when we met, neither of us was really interested, were we? We, we? we didn't really want to go out. We only did it because Donna and Dan had invited us, because we went on a double date. And um, I proceeded to get royally drunk on espresso martinis.
1: Um, which is which not I'm... like you.
2: <laughs> no, I, it's I not. acted very out of character that evening, I have to say. Um, got royally drunk, told him everything <laughs> about me, and then went home with him.
3: <laughs> and I've never left.
2: I know. Well, <laughs> you just you just came back home with me after that, and then that that was it. We've been together ever since, and it was so unplanned and unexpected on both our counts.
3: I, I think we were both very close to cancelling. Yeah. And uh, I think had it been just the two of us, I think we probably would have. Yeah. But because there was that support, I went out with Dan and had a beer with him first. So Dan's Donna's
2: husband. husband. Yeah, That's
3: correct. And you I went know. to Donna's, and, Donna's and had
2: had had a few cocktails at her house. <laughs> then we met up.
3: <laughs> but, at... but the interesting thing is, I had no idea who I was meeting, what she looked like, anything. And uh, and Dan, who I've known for many years, uh, while we're having a beer, he said, "Oh, mate, honestly, she's a man eater." And then I got there, and uh, a- and
1: yeah, it was. Uh... <laughs>
3: Turns out he was right.
1: <laughs> Most out of character, may I say. Oh, I mean, I've never, ever in my life
2: done anything like that before. But I think, you know, I'd got to that point where I just thought, do you know what? Fuck it. Why not? What have I got to lose? You know, it's and not you like... You did! You're a, you're a, and I did. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, I, I, okay, I hadn't met you before, but you're a friend of Don and Dan, so it's not like some random guy I met in a bar... I told you about this moment, didn't I, Kate? How it was really <laughs> yeah. crowded and, you know, I'd just been like, Bleh, told him everything about me and he'd just been sitting there with a shocked look on his face. And then we we had to walk across this crowded room that we were in and Nick just reached out and held my hand. And then the whole world just stopped. And it was like something out of a crazy movie, literally. And it was both of us, wasn't yeah. it? The whole world just stopped. But
3: out of nowhere, because there was no, like, flirting or anything we were having a nice time and everything but but that was it there was you know and i just that moment it's just like a a a spark went through both of us yeah and then we snogged like teenagers in a corner of the room
1: so i feel very touched in some small way that i was kind of probably the first person to get the download and the debrief on what has gone on to become a beautiful love story um, oh, and, and, that is so true, and we didn't know it at the time. I was just sort of arrived, going, "Sorry,
2: sorry, sorry." You'll never guess what.
1: I was um, so shocked because this is <laughs> this is not Andrea's regular behavior, right? A, she never no. gets drunk, and B, she never goes home on the first date, right?
2: Yeah, no, it it was really out of character, and I think, you know, when you're grown up, when you're growing up, and and we've got teenagers, so obviously you try and guide them and and teach them how to be, you know, good, upstanding people and it made me realize that actually you can still be a good morally upstanding person you know I was brought up by my parents as in that uh instead it, of monkeys instead of monkeys <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> <laughs> raised by apes um <laughs> as in that my dad was very very strict and he did not entertain the idea at all of even like sex before marriage or anything like that so that's how far removed the, the whole idea
3: of doing this was. Well, neither did I until I met you.
2: Now you're just talking nonsense.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's just nonsense.
2: You're just um, lying. You're <laughs> just lying. <laughs> um, but the, it, it kind of made me sort of change my perspective a little bit. And, uh, and I'm kind of glad I did, because I'm not saying I'm going to be saying to the kids, oh, do you know what, just, just, yay, do it. But I kind of am, because it made me realise that actually you, you need you kind of need to be careful, obviously, but be freer. Yeah. And I almost wish I'd known this 30 years ago. You've
3: got to kiss some frogs.
2: Oh, I just married frogs.
3: Well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> she says, talking to her husband.
3: I know. The abuse I have to put up with, Kate, honestly.
1: <laughs> I called
2: him Magic Mike. Do you remember? Yes.
3: Not Could even my arsenic. bloody name. It's, it's not, not even, even my his name. name.
1: Yes, but <laughs> well, at, at that, that point, you were supposed to be her first foray into casual, free yeah. and easy loving. It's, yeah, you know? and and you did. Well, you still
2: do. You, you know, you you look just like a normal kind of very a, a guy who goes to the gym, but he's like a
1: men's health model. And it it took me by surprise.
2: Like, when and you that's took why me. I marry her. I it's
3: her eyesight. I love it. <laughs>
1: No, I do remember you saying, "My God, he's ripped." He's like Magic Mike. Yeah, I should change your name in my phone. Actually, he's in my phone as
2: husband, and it's, what's really funny is you know when you get in when you're in the car, you can press the little button on your steering wheel and mm. say you know, play radio, whatever, or do whatever, and I say, "Call husband," and it says which of these numbers, no, like
3: which one, which it, one yeah? of
2: these numbers is like, hang on. Hang Even on. the car's
3: got sass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's, it's a multiple choice. choice. I know. <laughs> oh. Now, listen, what I've tried to do, this is so weird. When I'm writing questions for friends, it's always a strange one because I hope I never overstepped the mark, although I think we can both establish I've well and truly done that now, talking about the insights of your first date. Um, but I've tried to put together some questions um, based on sure. what I know about you, but then I have spent <coughs> the last four days reading your book. Oh, have you? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. And, and I, it made me want to just come and give you a massive hug, because it's so brave, because I know you, I know how private you were. And how you probably wouldn't have even had a lot of that dialogue internally, let alone externally. So, my God, Andrea, you've come a long way. Yeah, re- it's funny because I remember when um,
2: uh, you were interviewing me for my last book, and um, it, I think we we
1: touched on the fact that I'd done SAS then. Um, yes, and that you'd and- had what felt like a breakdown, but you. So even then, I, you weren't quite confident enough to it. say it was.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I can re- I can remember, um, you, I kind of skirted around it and didn't really answer the question. Um, and I don't even I no I hadn't even started writing this book then. Um, yeah, but, I mean, in terms of for someone who I know I've been in the public eye for four hundred years, and I know I am very open and jolly and everything else. Why Why would I talk about something? That is so hugely personal. Um, it, two things. One, it's been a lot scarier than I thought.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When you're sitting on your own, writing something. I love writing. Writing is my first love, and it's. I find it really cathartic. I love the whole process of it, and the words literally flow out of me, and it's a great release when I when I write. I find a real beauty and joy in writing but you'll know this, Kate. When you write something, it's such an intimate experience mm. that you sort of hand your baby over and then just hope that people in, enjoy it and think it's a beautiful thing. I, I totally hadn't taken into account, which is really stupid of me, the fact that obviously other people will read it and then they'll pick out key bits and ask me about it and that how much it would feel like being poked in a wound. Because I I am. I am great now. I am totally great and really, really well. And I would say mentally the the strongest I've ever been because I really genuinely feel like I have looked things in the face that I should have looked in the face. I'm not skirting around things anymore. Um, And I do. I feel mentally really strong. But it is still really difficult to... Mm. To, to keep talking about it all the time so that kind of comes to the second thing why why do it because i realized that all i've ever wanted to do is help people i mean the 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 this is my third book the first one was autobiographical it was quite straightforward just talking about my life growing up in the caribbean and having an unusual life uh, life up until my 30s the the menopause book which you were so supportive of. That was, again, just to help people. I came across, uh, I had my own experience, it was pretty traumatic. I found out that thousands of women didn't have access to to great information, so I tried to give it to them. And this third one, I realized that because I'd been through this horrible experience and then had come out the other side of it, it was that same thing of sort of paying it forward. But I realized you can't just write a book that's full of Um, tips and advice and if you do these wonderful things then your life is going to be so much better. You have to take them on that journey with you so that they Mm. understand wow you've really lived this. This isn't just some TV presenter sitting there with hair extensions and false eyelashes going if you follow my amazing book you too could be as fabulous as I am. It's as far removed from that as possible. It's literally this is how you cope when you face plant. When life is not working out how you'd hope that it would. That it doesn't matter what your it is. Obviously, I I go into some detail over what my it was, but that it doesn't matter what your it is. There is always a way around it, and I talk through sort of every chapter has different themes, and then takeaways and advice and this sort of thing. But it was really important that I I had to kind of dig in and, and open up. It's like for the first opened- time.
1: It's like opening your knicker drawer to the world, isn't it?
2: It was, and, and yeah, I hadn't even tidied it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a
1: royal mess. <laughs> so this is my first question to you both, because I, when I was reading the, le- the book, it, it read to me like a love letter to therapy in so many ways, because therapy has resolved and healed so much in you. But I love the fact that Nick, you jumped in on those therapy sessions as well, not all of them, but some of them, to support and better understand what Andrea was going through. And, and I, I don't think enough people talk about the fact that sometimes couples go into counselling, not because their relationship is, is in crisis, just because, for so many reasons, and in this instance, your wife was in crisis. So I wondered what it taught you that has solidified and educated your marriage?
3: The, the, the choosing to go into therapy in the first place was because when Andrea came home and and literally said, "Enough," you know, um, when when she was talking about what was going on, some of those points reflected at things that I was doing or not hearing and uh, or not seeing, and 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 it and it shook me because, you know, we have a fabulous relationship, and um, I was like oh my gosh, how, how, how have I missed all this? How, how, how am I not seeing this? You know, some of the... And it's, when
1: you talk about this, this is the stuff that she was bringing back from therapy that she had the confidence... Well, no, we hadn't shows. gone to
3: therapy then. It was, it was right. more her, her inner crisis that was going on. How did I realise it, not realise it was so bad? You know, how did I not realise that she's been trying to tell me, but I didn't hear it? So it was actually me that said, we need therapy and she's like, oh my God, it's not that bad. I said, no, I said, it's not about that. I said, I need to hear you and I'm I just, I, I'm not hearing you. So I need to be taught how I can help. Oh,
1: mm. nice. Nick.
2: <laughs> it,
1: it's, it's so funny because it's it's such a... A be- <clears throat> By the way, that's one of the most romantic things I've ever heard, Andrea, that is beautiful. Oh. You're all right, Nick.
3: <laughs> I'll hide for a bit.
2: <laughs> I think you know this is the thing as well. You know, at the moment it's me talking about me, 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 you know, my my experience that I went through, but actually it's as a couple, you you both go through something like this. When one when when you're a pair and one of you is in crisis, you both go through it. And you know, and Nick is right in terms of I had been trying to to say things and but this is what therapy teaches you is how to how to communicate how to speak and how to how to listen and because of my previous experiences and my previous relationships and and this sort of thing i realized that what i thought was communicating was talking in a whisper and wondering why no one could hear me and it was because i i had become so accustomed to don't speak up because the the ramifications of speaking up were so horrible that I was, one, I was scared to in case it all fell apart. And two, I, you know, obviously I knew that he's a wonderful man. And deep down, I knew that that his response would be a good one, but I was also frightened. So I was kind of giving half warning shots across the bow and then wondering why he wasn't hearing me. Um, And then also because we, we've, been married before, and Nick has been in therapy before when his marriage ended, and works on himself daily. And I think for you, it was such a shock that, how can that be? Because I I, I work on myself, and how can I not be hearing you? So we had to learn, for me, how to feel strong enough to speak out. And for Nick, it was how to be receptive and not just think, well, hang on, I'm I'm doing all the right things, so we should be fine. Actually, it's an adjusting isn't it it's like the apollo trip to the moon that we that we talk about you know you're only on course three percent of the time ninety percent of the time you're adjusting yeah and that's how you hit your target it's you don't you're not always just bang on course
0: a
3: key a key word she used that really just just sits with me is is about connection you know and and having that connection and it's and it's also all right for couples to disconnect you know, it's like going. You know, you can't be happy every day. You got to feel a little bit of sadness, or just have a bit of a bad day now and then to, you know, appreciate those happiness. And um, it was teaching us techniques and ways of how we can realize when we're disconnected, spot it, and then and then see. And utilize the skills she taught us to then reconnect. Yeah, you know. And when like earlier you said, we work together as well, so we're not just husband and wife. You know, we're and we work from home as well. So it's you know, you know yourself when you when you freelance when you're self-employed working for yourself there is no nine to five you know you take that call you answer that email and and you lie in bed at
2: two in the morning still coming up with ideas and what have you
3: and and you have to you have to put boundaries in place and uh, and also it's you have to um, incorporate a language that works you go right this is our business talk this is how we're going to talk let's not take this personally if i say that you haven't done this or that you've done this wrong or something like that and then outside of this this is our husband and wife you know talk and this is how we are uh and it and it's just understanding those those behaviors and those those connections and and also to point out that communication is obviously the first point of intimacy mm. uh and and you've really got to get that right at whatever level you're working together.
2: And if I can just jump in there, I think as well, you know, it's so funny, Kate, you used the word romantic. We all have this romantic idea and this kind of Hollywood and Disney idea as to what a a perfect relationship is. And it tends to be, you know, you get married and live happily ever after and the happily ever after is just dot, dot, dot. And actually, the dot, dot, dot is where, that's where life is. And, And if you if you communicate in one way and your partner communicates in another and you think you've been crystal clear and they've not heard anything or they've heard their perception of what you've said rather than what you've actually said, what we learned at therapy was like, for example, um, we we argue in very different ways. And
0: for example, <laughs> I,
2: I bang on a lot apparently and you shut down a lot apparently. And what, what we mean by that is Nick will go, all right then so we're good and that's it he doesn't want to look at it anymore and i'll keep going yeah but no we're not no no we're not and chase him around the house and want a resolution until he's like woman leave me alone and i'm like oh you're not
3: talking to me i'm in the loft by then
2: (laughs) (laughs) so what we learned was um how do you think it makes nick feel when you keep poking and how do you think it makes andrea feel when you shut down and it was that just realization that we have different ways of what we call a resolution. For, mm-hmm. for you it's right, we're done, we've answered it. And for me it's I need to tear it apart until there's literally just threads on the floor and nothing, nothing left. Yeah. So what we appreciate now is I need to let him walk away. And sometimes it will take a couple of days until we resolve the thing that happened you know, days before. But to know that that's okay It doesn't mean the end of the world. It doesn't mean it's all fallen to pieces, and it will get resolved. And it's that it's like a trust fall, really.
3: And And we we... do it from a place of calm, then, because it might be ten minutes later. It might be, as Andrea said, two days later. But then, then you're not, and that tension's growing. It's like okay, and then far more productive that
1: way. Yeah.
2: Well, and then
3: you ask yourself, was it really that big a thing anyway? Did it really matter as much?
2: Or you get to the nub of, which is, we had it recently. We had it um, last week. Mm -hmm. And we realised the thing we were arguing about was not the thing we were arguing about at all. Mm. Actually, it was something that was way underneath all all of that. And we were able to, because we'd left it for a few days, um... To talk really rationally about, well, why do you think we lost our temper so quickly about such a tiny thing? Mm. Um, and as ever, everybody knows this. It's never the thing. No, never the thing. You know, I, I ended, I ended one marriage because he couldn't make cauliflower cheese. Clearly, that is not why the marriage ended. But well, the last... <laughs> To snafers. be fair, that was just thoughtless. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's never the thing and you, you need to kind of peel away the layers a little bit
3: and uh I by the way that. i can't make cauliflower cheese I,
1: I can't eat cauliflower cheese that's the point <laughs> Right? listen magic mike you're safe all right yeah he's all right but on a, on a more serious note because um, we are i mean I, it's really good to talk about these things and to be able to find the light in the and the shade
0: because
1: all of that but there's some stuff in the book that as your friend I found so hard to read that and I think I put myself in your shoes Nick as as Andrea's husband that must be very painful to read moments where you really question whether or not you you wanted to be here anymore you know suicidal Mm. thoughts and that was that you know you you in a hotel room literally face-planted thinking I don't want to do this anymore and then in true Andrea fashion the next morning up dressed teeth smiles off we go, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, and it's not fine. Yeah. And that's, that That was tough. How was that for you, as, as her husband, Nick?
3: I mean, Andrea is, is you know, she is such a tough individual, and she has walked through so much shit in her life, and every day just puts a smile on her face, and wants to be professional and everything, and to to have seen what's gone on you know the, the difference with me is i'm not reading it in a book i've seen it and it, it, it's just horrendous it's hard and it, it's all i want to do now is just make sure that she never ever goes back there again that to do everything within my power i mean to the point that literally there, there's something that came up the other day and i'm just like fuck it all sell everything right uh you know literally get rid of uh, get i'll get rid of my cars i'll get rid of my property i'll get rid of everything right just to make sure that you do not go from smiling at me this morning and then something happen and you're in tears and it's just you know it's it's just awful to watch, and I never, ever want to see Andrea go through that again. She is in such a good place at the moment, and, uh, you know, I just want to keep her there. Some of these people listening might go, oh, yeah, well, it's all right for you, you know, sell up everything and, you know, live on a Caribbean island or whatever, you know. That but would have be
2: been really nice, by the way. It, I... <laughs> it, it would be a
3: tiny one. If it know. was even
2: possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no.
3: but, but, the, but the reality is sometimes in, in life, you've you've got choices, we've always got choices, but the choices that you've actually got, they're both shit. You know, because if you do that one, actually that's gonna happen. And if you do that one, that's gonna happen. But sometimes you have to make a decision on a really, really tough choice, just to, you know, to get you out of feeling like that or from going back into something like that. You know, it's not always about doing it from a position of strength and, and comfort. You know, and and that's why it was like when it happened, it would have caused us a huge amount of um, disruption throughout our family, through everything that we're trying to do and that. But at the time, it would, and and we're still looking at elements of applying what our decision was because, you know, what's more important is our health and our mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, not what car we drive, what house we live in, you what, know, what, what we uh, what do the for outside a world thinks it, exactly. of as yeah.
2: successful. We, we talk a lot, Kate, about what does wealthy mean to you? And um, f- for us, wealthy is... It's actually not to do with how much money you have in the bank or how outwardly successful you are to the to the world. And I think that's one of the, the sort of juxtapositions was that to the outside world, oh my God, hosting an award-winning show for 13 years, you know, nailing it every day, d- d- turning up and showing up and being my best possible self, but behind the scenes, actually really struggling with things from my past that I hadn't come to terms with. That's not wealthy. Actually, wealthy is when you feel totally content with where you are Mm. it doesn't matter where where you are is if that makes sense but just feeling content with where you are and if that means actually jacking everything in and walking away from what the outside world sees as successful that's such a powerful thing to do and it's something that we've we've spoken about because that's what being wealthy means is having your yeah. your a healthy state of mind a healthy relationship you know a loving family around you that's what wealthy is
0: hey i'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot
1: So your second question: You were both set up on a blind date, but is there another moment in your life that you went into blind, and was it worth it? Oh, that's a good question.
2: Um, I suppose
1: for me, if you don't mind me answering the question
0: first while you're thinking, yeah, um, (laughs) it was working
2: in telly. Was starting to work in telly because I didn't set out to work in telly. I fell into telly by accident, and um. Basically, I was in my 20s, I had literally, all I'd ever wanted to be was a writer and be a journalist and my parents had moved abroad, um, they, they paid for somewhere for me to live for six months and then said, you're on your own. And so I applied for a loan, um, a student loan, literally packed everything I owned in the back of the car, my mum's old car, an old Fiesta that she'd left behind and I moved to London and slept on floors And went and put myself through college, and then literally pounded the streets, and then worked for free for anybody who would have pounded the streets as in going to journalism jobs, not as that that sounded. Um, (laughs) I may have made more money. Who knows? Um, You (laughs) would have. But in in that in that I had inadvertently applied to be a weather presenter, which I hadn't realised. I'd misread a job application, and so. Because, because you know, when you're, when you're applying for every job going, and it was the, the, do you remember the UK Press Gazette? I think it's called UKPG yes. now, or I don't even know if yes. it exists anymore. It's a trade, trade paper. And so I was applying for every job going, and it said, a journalist with on screen presence and interest in weather. And I just saw the word journalist and thought, yes, okay. And so I just wrote this letter about, yeah, I'm interested in the weather, just thinking, I'll write about anything. I just need a job. I'm living in a bedsit and I'm surviving on 50 P's put in a meter. And literally when I ran out of 50 P's, I just sit in the cold and dark. That's how I was living at the time. And the <laughs> bedsit was actually the size of this little bit of room that we're in now. And um, I got this phone call and it was from this woman and I'd Literally laughed my head off. I had inadvertently applied to be a weather presenter. So I turned up thinking Well, <laughs> no, I'm just writing about the weather. No, and I thought well, I'll, I'll write about it because it what a funny experience But what was interesting was because I'd learned shorthand because the whole thing of being a journalist is you take a lot of information You condense it into an easy to read form and then you give it to the public weather presenting to me was the same. You take all this meteorological stuff and basically all people want to know is, how cold is it? Is it gonna be wet? Can I wear suede shoes? In in a nutshell that was kind of all that you know. And I made it. a Yeah, yeah. I kind of made it funny and made it, you know, normal. So she took me to one she'd been quite grumpy to me on the phone and she took me to one side and said, Look, we haven't actually got a position this minute, but can we keep your name on file? And Two years later, by now I'm production editor of where I'm working, I'm hating it because I'm in at seven, leaving at 10. You know, stressed to the eyeballs with with trying to get copy out and all this sort of stuff. And I got this phone call. Um, Hi, your name has come up. Do you fancy coming in for an audition for the Weather Channel? I thought, do you know what, I've got nothing to lose. In the end, I went for an interview in the morning for Just 17 Magazine, which was what I really wanted. And then an interview in the <laughs> afternoon to be a weather girl, and I came home going, shit, I've got the wrong job. I just knew it, I knew I'd blown the one in the morning because I wanted it too much, and I came across as a complete idiot, of which I'm still, in. you know when you have hot flushes sometimes when you're not menopausal related, just embarrassment related. Like a cringe, with- a cringe twinge. When you. Oh, when I think yeah. of that interview, <laughs> I was terrible. And I did it, I had a staff job, um, Working for this features agency in Kentish town in in North London and for they offered me month one month's TV work and I jumped I Took a chance and I literally went in blind. I knew nothing about working in TV But I thought I'm unhappy where I am. This sounds really interesting and if I don't like it I'll just try and get another job and I jumped and it was the best pivot I've ever made, because clearly that I've been working in TV ever since, and I was 25 or something then. And I just went into it with an open heart, thinking I'll just give it my absolute best shot. And it didn't work out, as in 18 months later I got made redundant and I was heartbroken, because um, I actually really enjoyed where I was working. But then, by the laws of the universe, That very week, the weather presenter on GMTV had handed her notice in, and I heard about it through the weather grapevine, (laughs) because it's an actual actual thing. Um, And I sent my photo in to the editor of GMTV, and I got a phone call saying, do you want to come in for an interview? I'm like, yeah, amazing, oh my gosh, GMTV. GMTV was huge, because this was yeah. in the days where there was only four channels. Hey kids, yeah. you won't know what that's like, but there were only four channels on the TV. <laughs> BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, and Channel Four. Channel and that four. was it. Nothing else existed in the universe. There was no internet, and Sky hadn't been invented. And um, so it was a big deal. So I went along, but unbeknownst to me, they'd only invited me in for the interview because on my photo, I really looked like the editor's girlfriend. And his secretary had taken my photo in and gone, since when's your girlfriend applied to be the weather girl? And they called me in just to have a laugh. No! Yes, so I don't know this. And I turn up bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, wanting to be the next weather girl. And uh, they both stood in front of me and went, well, she does, doesn't she? She really does look (laughs) like her. And I don't know what they're talking about. And literally, the, the editor, he was Scottish, he went, oh, well, you're here, you might as well do an audition. And I'm thinking, what else would I be doing when I'm here? So what, they, what happened was I didn't get the job, but I got the job of training the person they gave the job to. Because this is how insane TV is. They gave the job to someone else who couldn't do the weather, but was better looking. Because that's how telly works.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wrong, but so right. Yeah. yeah.
2: And because I have no ego, I was like, okay, I'll come in and train this person to do the job. So I I trained them and uh, they lasted for about six weeks because they actually found it very stressful. It's live TV and there's a lot of talking in your ear. And when you do the, the weather, at least on GMTV at the time, it was used as a buffer. So sometimes you'd have to condense two and a half minutes worth of weather into 30 seconds and have it make sense. Other times you'd have to stretch it out to what felt like an hour, because (laughs) people weren't ready yet. And I was fine with that, but they weren't. So they didn't last. So they called me back. Look, can you just fill in until we find someone else? And so I arrived and I just kept really quiet and kept turning up. And I was there for 11 years. That shows you kids, just turn up, be good at your job. Don't make a fuss.
1: (laughs) 11 years. Oh, my God. I was there for
2: 11 years, yeah.
3: Well, I, I think, you know, for, for the listeners, um, I'm going to save them some time. My answer is really short. What is it? No. No. <laughs> I, can't I suppose think you of came anything. on a blind
2: date with me. That but was that, blind.
3: Outside of the blind date, um, there's uh... nothing. You know, I've done a few things on in a business front where, you know, you go with a gut and You you have to react quite quickly and something like that. Some have been good, some have been bad. We've
2: never run a female empowerment site before. I was just about to say that.
3: Well, I will say. (laughs) And that that was never meant
2: to happen, was it? (laughs) It Only
3: bloody set it up to help her out and set a blog up.
2: You know that song? Man, I feel 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 like a woman. It's actually
1: him. (laughs) Magic Mike feels like a woman.
3: Well, I will say. uh, um...
1: I'm scared now. What are you going
2: to say? Well,
3: as a dad of girls. I, I I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm learning. And, you know, and I've, I've said this before and I said to Andrea, you know, and, and I know it's a Jack Nicholson uh, quote in a film, but it does make me want to be a better man because when you realise, you know, when I was younger, I was like, yeah, whatever, I like girls, you know, and all that. And now you just think most men are divs uh they don't realize how easy they've got it and uh and there is the only reason there is no equality is because we have had to suppress them uh for fear of our own inequalities quite honestly
1: haven't i broken him really well (sighs) oh my god andrea what did
3: you do with him you know what it is i just think (laughs) that most most men never delve that deep into Mm. looking behind what makes a woman you know and what they have to go through and everything you know and even even when i was uh, when my kids were young and i'd walk along and you, you know i've got one of them on my shoulders one of them here and you see a woman walking down a road she's got one carrying she's got shopping bags she's got the pram you know and you just i mean physically it's easier for me to do that and you see these women doing it day in day out and I just think that what you have to go through, and even learning, you know, again about the menopause, I never thought I'd ever be quite the expert on that. But um, <laughs> but again, you know, it, it, it's incredible. And if men even had monthly uh, menstruations, then um,
2: the world would grind well, to halt. Well,
3: there'd be a lot of sick days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I and yeah. I just think ultimately it just makes me want to want to do great stuff with this website with Andrea, with our girls, you know, and all three of our girls, you know. And uh, and I just also want to teach men to be better as well. Mm.
1: I love what this, this blind turn has taught you, Nick. That's amazing.
3: Yeah, That's no, truly it's amazing.
1: Because yeah. I know initially you were just going to come in and help Andrea with the tech side of it. And, and actually you've ended up becoming part of a really important narrative.
3: Well, yeah. Andrea literally said when she... Finished her last book, and I mean, literally, getting people in the street cuddling her, saying "You've, you've saved my life." A da- husband saying, "You've given me my wife back. You saved our marriage." You know, I mean, literally, you're standing there in the middle of bloody Kingston, paying in a queue to pay for your car parking ticket, and this random woman just comes up and says, "Sorry,"
2: I know, give I, you a hug. Give, in tears, I do and get going, a lot of, a you lot of hugs. You saved my life. Yeah, it's wonderful. And, and
3: just what? Well, and, and then Andrew's like, "Oh my gosh I've written the end on the book, but I don't want it to be the end. What else can we do? So I said, "Well, I I can build you a site. I'm not a I'm not a you know an expert, but I could get you a site up and everything, you know." And now two down, yeah. it's like we're
2: now seen in seventy five countries around the world. It started as a little menopause site, and now it we realised that actually, for me paying it forward and and passing on love and support is ageless and timeless Mm -hmm. and international and it became very quickly not about the menopause it just became about making women feel good about themselves and doing everything i could in terms of finding great writers and 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 this sort of thing to to find new ways
1: of making women feel great I'll uh, tell you what, I mean, I almost uh, today just took three questions from your book just to make, t- 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 as, as your three questions for this show. And then I thought, no, you, you really have already answered these in quite a lot of detail, but I will definitely be using them if it's all right with you in future episodes, because I think they're so thought-provoking in as much as they make you really look in on yourself.
3: Well, do you know what, and fun enough, ever- one of the uh, really uh, big ones that would come out of Andrea's book is, uh, the f- what are the five things that make you happy? Mm. And... We've been talking about it ages and then it was this weekend i went do you know what i've never answered that and we sat down and then i, I wrote down the five things that made me happy and it was well, ju- you know it just that's yeah. that's
1: what that's going to be our question three then forget what i've written this question three i want to know what are the five things that make you happy? And you can't say dog walking because you've already said that in the book.
3: Can't say what else I wrote as well.
1: Yeah, you can. (laughs) It's nothing I haven't heard. Well, there was that. (laughs) Because sex is a great source of happiness. Did you write Sex, Nick?
3: I, well, sex with my wife. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Not just general sex.
1: <laughs> OK, so let, let's do the lists. What are the, What are the, cause, And the thing is, the list changes, right, as you go through life. Yes, for the, it does. For the yeah. here and the now, what are your five touchstones of happiness?
3: Do you know what? And, and, and just that's a great point, because this book and the questions it asks, that's not it. You don't answer them and go, brilliant, thanks very much, I'll part that book. Because life changes... Right. And you need to repeat, you need to go back to that book and ask yourself, are those five things still making me happy yeah, or are yeah. there anything else?
2: Hopefully that yeah. one you'll still say yes.
3: Yes, indeed. Okay. Yeah. Just check in. <laughs>
1: Just keep uh, that, <laughs> number one, Nick, no, Number with yeah. my wife. Yeah, that's it. Do
2: you know um, what's
3: funny? It's so, we, we so put scared. them down in the say? order. And scared, So scared. And, uh, and I read them out to Andrea and she went, I'm number four on the list. <laughs> <laughs> like that. And four. I went, babe, I didn't even make your list.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: I was in a very dark place when I was. <laughs> yeah, actually, he's got a point. You put dog walking as number one. I know. I mean, <gasps> and I know that the dog has been a great source of comfort in your darkest hours, but he, doesn't, he didn't, there wasn't even a whiff of magic mic on your list. I
2: know. I was in a very dark place. <laughs> No, so it, got... my my list was really simple it was um walking a dog in sunshine uh, no walking a dog and feeling his joy sitting in sunshine making my garden beautiful and being near the sea and I can't remember what the other one was but um and what was so interesting this was all part of my therapy which was you know ask yourself you know these these questions but do it like that don't think about it and don't say what you you think is a good answer just literally say what comes into your head and that's what it came into my head and it's on a little blue post-it note and it's still on the desk I leave it out on the desk just to remind myself but again that was over a year ago so my list would be different now it would still be walking a dog and feeling his joy because you know who doesn't love walking (laughs) a dog fuck's sake
3: (laughs) seriously I'm just She's rewriting a, mine,
0: n- Kate. N- I'm just She's
1: rewriting serious. mine. <laughs> I mean, you can't have a go about being fourth on the list with your sex, but he's still not competing with the dog on yours. He's such a cute dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, oh god. my god! So, so uh, okay. So, Andrea, today, yeah. as yes. I as we speak today, your five things are walking the dog. What's the other four?
2: And my husband.
3: Sorry? <laughs> Sorry? Own it. Say it. Say it. Say it.
2: No, yeah. it's embarrassing. I can't say that out loud. Let's just say I it. I've gone really hot. <laughs> having...
1: Ha- <laughs> 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 I can't say it. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> just
2: say it. If only I you like lot having... knew.
3: If only you lot knew.
1: She likes having sex with her husband. I'll I say do. it for you. Thank you very much. Okay, um, Jesus. Uh... Okay, well, sh- dog walking Should I say mine? Yeah, you say. Yeah. I'll say
3: mine, because I, I wrote these down the other day. And uh, so I've got meals with my family. And, and that, I mean, us two and our four children. I just...
1: Even after lockdown?
3: Oh, yeah, I love it. Are you not yeah.
1: sick of meals with your family? After well, the lockdown? thing is,
3: because obviously we're a, a blended family so my my girls aren't always here you know uh amy isn't always here at finn you know and whilst they're predominantly here uh we're not always here as a six um so yeah i love it and like so for example every saturday morning yeah, that all the children say. are here we I, I make the biggest stack of pancakes and then we sit for an hour and a half two hours having a catch-up on um, everyone's week and What's been going on? You know, whatever. Yeah. And then everyone buggers off to their own room or space or doing what and they're doing. It. And you know, that's it, do it, it again.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. You know, and that's and nice. It yeah. is. Saturday I, morning yeah. pancakes. I love it. This
1: might would be on my list definitely. Oh, definitely. You can't you can't steal from his list. <laughs> yes, damn it. You've already make, had the. Make sex. Your own up.
3: Make your own up. You've already had the
1: sex from his list. You can't start eating from his table as well. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> I'll take that off my list then. Go on Nick, what else is on your list?
3: Uh, Feeling strong and healthy, physically and mentally. Uh, That to me is, is, you know, it gets me in a good place. It makes me, you know, be able to do what I can do and give. So, playing golf. Uh, The dog, Teddy, (laughs) he's on my list. He makes that me Dog. He makes me smile and feel so Do you know what? No matter what's going on, he is, it's like, you know, when he just comes out and just looks at you and all that and he's just he's so uh. bloody cute and he just he just fills me with happiness. He generally does.
2: You should see the way he looks at this dog. There's sometimes I literally stand there and I go, You used to look at me like that
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's because I'm not on your bloody list. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Touche! <laughs>
2: um, no, the dog. Do you know? I think the dog is on both our lists because yeah. he's our baby. You know, we yeah. we we don't have any
1: kids together. We 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 um we came with kids, um,
3: and we're happy with that. And we're
1: happy with that. So hold on. So Nick, next, just skip through his list. Um, you've still got sex and dogs. Do we have something else? And rock and roll. <laughs> I'll take it because actually do you know what you being a bit more I think this book is you more rock and roll this is you not giving a shit and that is rock and roll this is you speaking from the heart and that's rock and roll do you know the biggest one of my biggest fears with writing this book was I
2: thought it wasn't necessarily exposing some really difficult painful moments in my life it was that people wouldn't like me anymore because I thought that what if people have this image of me on the TV as you're that lady who sits on the end, you're always really together, you're head girl, you know, you're you're good at your job but you're quite quite bland in that you don't ever speak out of line, I'm not very, um, I'm very measured. And I was this. I'm quite strong in the book, which is which is what my personality is. I, I do, of yeah. course, I have opinions. Of course, I have but I've always been too frightened to to express them, because I had many people in my life who sh- who who shouted me down and and speaking up. The consequences of it weren't great, so I became quieter and quieter on the inside and on the outside. So for me, this book was a big deal because I actually. St- say you know the very first line in the book is shit happens and when I first wrote that I was like oh my goodness I'm starting a book and I'm literally the first line is shit happens get over it because that's the sort of nub of the book it is not a oh poor me poor me oh my life it's definitely the tone of the book is shit happens doesn't matter what your shit is but you're gonna have there's even a chapter called we're all a mixture of shit and brilliance and this is the real me talking and I actually feel like I'm brave enough now to not care, so much so that September is is my new year. I've always seen September as new year because yeah. that's like the new term, your new school uniform, your new pencils. And so, um, and September obviously is the month the book comes out and I've named it, haven't I? It's Fuck Off Month. September is Fuck Off <laughs> Month. And um, so this month, if anything, if it doesn't serve me, if it's not something I want to do or it's boring or I just say, no, fuck off. So do you want to do that? No, it can fuck off. Do we want to? And it's so liberating. I've never done it before. And do you know what I've learned, Kate? And it, I'm, I'm a very smiley person and I'm naturally a very smiley person. And, and I have smiled through a lot of darkness and just by showing up and being bright. But actually this time around, this is going to sound crazy, but this time when I'm smiling, I'm showing my teeth. Yeah. If that makes sense. And it goes to your eyes,
1: and, it, and the smile reaches your eyes.
2: Well, not only that, I'm showing grit. It's not just yes. a Stepford Wife smile, which was hiding so much that just wasn't working in my life. Now, I'm not, I'm much more prepared to, to, to show teeth as well as just smile. It's, um, I'm more prepared to go, actually, no, I'm not going to put up with that. There's been a few people in my life who are not particularly happy that I'm now showing my teeth um, because the old Andrea would have just gone, Oh, okay, no, that that's fine when it's not fine, because I know I have a reputation for being super easygoing and lovely and which is great. But what that manner, how that manifests itself professionally has been at times. Oh, well, do you know what? We'll get Andrea to do it. Cause she, she never moans. Just, just give her the, the, shitty under the stick and she won't complain and let the squeaky wheel get the oil because Andrea won't speak up so I've I've for 20 odd years gone oh okay then. oh I mean I know that's not really very fair but okay no I can see that no that's fine I'll take it on the chin and actually now I'm going no that's not fair that's not right mm-hmm. I'm not put- and and I can feel people around me going what but you never complain and, it's, and I have to correct them and go. I'm not complaining. I'm standing up for myself. And you've had it good for so long. Yeah. I, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not. Yeah.
1: Yay. Yeah. <laughs> High five I'm clapping all the way yeah. from <laughs> southeast London. <laughs> yeah. Fuck <laughs> <off> yeah. <month. laughs> fuck off, mum <month>. Damn <laughs> And I love the fact that you, you're still sat here on my podcast in September, which means I'm definitely not on your fuck off list. Listen, you two. You've been amazing. Thank you so much. How was your white wine question time? Do you know it was wonderful? It's our first
2: time. We've never done white wine question. I've never done white wine question time. But and we've it's never been, done. We. Th- this interview. is our first interview.
3: Yeah, it's a first It's our first no. first oh. Outside oh of an at-home shoot or something like that, but otherwise, yeah, this is it.
1: It's our I'm first. I'm there for all the firsts. The yeah. First day. The first interview. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's been really wonderful. Thank you so, so much. You've made us laugh, you've made us cry.
3: you made me sweat. <laughs> and uh, thank you for being gentle.
1: Yeah. Uh, and thank you for being so open and honest. And Nick, thank you for taking such good care of our friend. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Uh, the book is available for pre-order, but actually, as that's as we speak. It's, it's, when does it hit the shelves? The 29th of September. So please, please
2: don't say fuck off to my book. Say yes, 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 it looks great.
3: Yeah, and buy yeah, it for fuck anyone. God. fuck yes.
1: Yeah,
2: fuck yes. <laughs>
3: and buy for anyone that you think needs help as well. Give yeah. it as a gift. Yes. It's yeah. a great thing. And change someone's life.
1: Thank you both so much. I can't wait to see you in real life soon if we're ever allowed. Oh, thank you. White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, and Richard Hatherall for Yahoo UK. And editing is by Callum Goddard Mocklow. Music, as always, is by Andy Bell, whose back catalogue is available on iTunes or Spotify. And please, if you are on social media, do join in our conversation. We're on Twitter and Instagram at WhiteWineQT. And if you do have the time or the inclination to rate and review us, we'd love it if you could. It really does help other people to discover the show. So that's it from me for this week. I'll be back next week with more guests. In the meantime, please do, as we always try to do, and drink responsibly. If you've been affected by anything we've discussed in today's show and you'd like more support, don't forget the Samaritans are always there. You can call them anytime, 24 hours a day on 116 123 or email them. The address, joe at samaritans.org. That's joe at samaritans.org. Remember, it's always good to talk.